Well, good morning again. It's good to be with you. Um, good to turn to the Word now as we uh, continue in worship this morning. Um, what, a, what a fun morning to, to sing and to worship, to read Scripture, to dedicate a child to the Lord. Um, it's good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen? Amen. Uh, the gospel text for this week continues our journey through the book of Matthew. Uh, and, the, and the text for the, the lectionary cycle kind of work continuously all the way um, through to the start of November. So we're going to stay in this, this region of, of Matthew here for, for several weeks. Um, going from, from Matthew chapter 21 uh, a few weeks ago through to the start of, of 23 eventually uh, by the end of October. So we're going to stay in this area um, as, we, as we journey through um, the gospel text, uh, lectionary texts. Um, today we start the next, uh, the next chapter at the beginning of Matthew 22. So if you have your Bibles and want to open to Matthew chapter 22 and follow along, uh, you can do that or point a device. It'll also be uh, displayed on the screen behind me. As you are able, out of reverence for the reading of God's word, would you please stand this morning? Matthew chapter 22, starting with verse 1 and reading through verse 14. Jesus responded by speaking again in parables. The kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a wedding party for his son. He sent his servants to call those invited to the wedding party, but they didn't want to come. Again, he sent other servants and said to them, tell those who have been invited, look, the meal is all prepared. I've butchered the oxen and the fattened cattle. Now everything's ready. Come to the wedding party. But they paid no attention and went away, some to their fields, other to their businesses. The rest of them grabbed his servants, abused them, and killed them. <laughs> the king was angry. He sent his soldiers to destroy those murderers and set their city on fire. Then he said to his servants, The wedding party is prepared, but those who were invited weren't worthy. Therefore, go to the roads on the edge of town and invite everyone you find to the wedding party. Then those servants went to the roads and gathered everyone they found, both evil and good. The wedding party was full of guests. And when the king came in and saw the guests, he spotted a man who wasn't wearing wedding clothes. He said to him, friend, how did you get in here without wedding clothes? But he was speechless. Then the king said to his servants, tie his hands and feet and throw him out into the farthest darkness. People there will be weeping and grinding their teeth. Many people are invited but few people are chosen. This is the word of God given to us, the people of God. We say thanks be to God. Please have a seat. Well, one of the things that I have truly missed um, and grieved over the course of these past six, seven months uh, has been for, for, for people who have had big celebrations that have happened during these last Months. I think of graduations that looked a lot different. I think of anniversary parties that had to be delayed or canceled um, or, or, or downsized. Birthday parties that became uh, drive-by birthday parties. Um, you know, throw the presents out the window. Um, <laughs> we're kind of toning down a little bit on that side of things for some people and others who are still being very cautious uh, but we've all, we've all seen these landmark events, milestones, events that, that usually would be this big party. 
this big reason to celebrate. Um, and they just weren't allowed to be what they had probably previously envisioned uh, for those moments. But one of the most significant types of these milestone landmark events is, at least in my opinion, weddings. Uh, perfect setting for all the dangerous <laughs> exposure risks, right? People come from all over. You invite family. You invite friends um, from the span of your life. There's usually close seating, uh, you know, the old receiving lines, receptions around tables, sometimes dancing. It's just a, a, a great series of what we've been told probably isn't the best idea in these days, um, This illustration that Jesus uses in today's text is centered around the image and the circumstances regarding a wedding. Uh, It it really is a beautiful picture. Uh, We we again get this parable from from the lectionary in sequential order. In in other words, what we talked about last week happened right before um, what happened in the text this week. And we have to remember the setting. We have to remember what's going on. This is in Jesus' Passion Week on, on, on... Uh, Palm Sunday, we celebrate what happened at the beginning of the week, that he had come into Jerusalem and had been celebrated. People cut branches off trees and waved them in front, saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They had laid down their cloaks so he could ride and be welcomed into the city. They had thought, maybe this, maybe this is the one, maybe this is the Messiah. And yet, instead of heading where they expected, what did they expect? They expected him to take a turn and head up to Herod's palace, kick those old Romans out. That's what Messiah was supposed to do to restore Israel to the good old days, like when David was in charge. Instead, he goes to the temple, makes a mess of things, (laughs) flips tables, gets angry, says, this was supposed to be a house of worship. You've made it something else. And he retires for the night, and he comes back to the temple, and all the leaders are like, oh, okay, hang on. We, we saw you yesterday. We know what you like to do here. This isn't okay with us. Tell us. And what was the question they asked? Where do you get your authority? Who, who made you boss? Well, this isn't how we're used to having things run here. We don't, we don't let guest teachers come in and, and flip tables and tell us how to do things. And he told three stories to kind of teach and to guide, um, all of which pointed out how the temple leaders were kind of (laughs) missing it, (laughs) kind of missing the boat. We're talking about that third story today. And if you read on through the rest of 22, uh, the the temple leaders, they kind of flip-flop back and forth between the Pharisees and the Sadducees. <laughs> they, they huddle up. Okay, what are we going to get him with? Okay, we're going to attack him with this question. They go out there uh, and attack him, and they kind of get <laughs> put in their place. And so tail between their legs, they come back and huddle up again and say, well, what else can we ask him about? By the end of the chapter, <laughs> it says, nobody ever questioned Jesus again. We're done with this. This is getting us nowhere. Which kind of leaves 23, the chapter 23, open for him to do some teaching. And he kind of has has a monologue. It's not until chapter 24 that we see the gospel record that he left the temple. So presumably all this is happening right in his passion week. Right after he had been celebrated and welcomed into the city. Maybe this is the Messiah. Maybe this is the one that we were waiting for. 
And yet he's focused on the journey at the temple, not overthrowing the occupation of the Roman government. So here we dive into that third story that is really pointed at the temple leaders. Uh, they were the people who had, who had missed the boat. Okay, the, the son, the first story was about the son who said yes to the father, but then didn't go out into the field and work. And then the other son who had said no to the father, but then went and did the work. The second story was about the tenant farmers who, when the harvest came, when it was time to bear fruit, when it was time to turn the spoils over to the landowner, they hoarded the harvest, hoping to steal the inheritance. They killed the messengers, abused and killed the messengers, and even the son of the landowner. And here we have their third indictment. Here we have the third time that Jesus is coming after him with this story of the wedding feast. In this story, the king is inviting the people into a wedding banquet, a wedding feast. Now, it was customary in those days, in New Testament days, that when a king's son was married, uh, for a huge banquet to be, to be prepared, a huge feast to be put on um, for the people. And, and the who's who were the people that were invited, the people with status, the people who were, were well off. Uh, it, was, it was not meant for everyone. It was uh, the well-to-do, the upper class, the city officials, the people who were someone were invited by the king to come to the wedding banquet and to celebrate with the king. So the date of this banquet would have been known. Uh, the, it would have been announced. It, would have, it was something that they expected. Uh, and it was customary that notice had been, had been sent out in advance of when this was going to happen. And yet, for us North Americans who have our schedules and our day planners all planned out, they, they didn't have a time. They didn't set a time. They, they, when it came time for the feast to be ready, the servants were sent out and said, the banquet is ready. Come and dine. The table is set. The food is prepared. The animals have been slaughtered. The meat is cooked. Come and dine. And it was customary at that point for the people to gather and celebrate. But not this time. This time, nobody comes. <laughs> nobody comes. <laughs> the king laughs kind of the first time. What? This, this, this is wrong. No, so, somebody's coming. So he, he, he must have sent out the rookie servants the first time, right? <laughs> like, you, know, you guys did it wrong. You're supposed to let them know that the bank is ready and everyone's supposed to come. The table is set. No one would do this to the king. This was an insult. This was not the way the king was treated. So he sends out the other slaves, the better ones, the ones who've done it before, have a proven track record. And they receive these excuses. One off to his farm, another off to his business, one to check his Facebook feed, one to go hunting. We all have busy lives, you know, king. You can't just control us. Still others mistreated, abused, and killed the messengers. We have this story again where the king is slighted, that the people don't respond. According to the gospel writer, the king is enraged and goes out and destroys the city. He sends the soldiers to destroy the city. Interestingly enough, this is one of the passages of Matthew that helps us date this gospel. 
Um, most scholars see this reference of destruction. If you look in verse 7, it says, sent soldiers to destroy the murderers and set the city on fire. Um, this is, is likely a reference to the siege of Jerusalem that came in the first century. That in, in about the year 70, uh, uh, there had been zealots who had taken over Jerusalem away from Roman control. In AD 70, Rome marched on Jerusalem. They would sack the city. They would break down and destroy the temple and set Jerusalem on fire. And so gospel writers believe that this is a reference to, to what actually happened to Jerusalem, that the, the king actually did come and burn down the city. It was the Roman king that came. And yet this, this reference that the gospel is writing. And so, so they believe that, that Matthew was written after AD 70 or right around that time somewhere. In effect, the writer was tying the disobedience of the teachers and leaders to the destruction of Jerusalem and Yahweh's temple. What's interesting, though, is the outcome. The king, uh, back in the story, uh, clearly this isn't a linear story, right? There, there wouldn't have been time to prepare a banquet feast, send out invitations, kick come, they refuse. The soldiers march on the city and destroy it and burn it, kill their murderers, and then we go back to the, the wedding banquet. The timeline doesn't really follow here. But when we jump back into the story, what is the king's response The king says this, let anyone come. Go out to the roads, go out to the edge of the city, find whoever is there and let them come. Everyone you find. What a picture of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Whoever you find there, God's grace is for them. God's message is for all. It's not just the well-to-do, it's not just the noble, it's not just the ones who have status. It is for us all. It is for us all. The good and evil kind of even throws me for a little bit of a loop. He invited the evil ones in. How do we feel about that? Actually, I think there's great comfort in that. We don't have to clean up before we're invited. We don't have to have our lives put together. Maybe you have a mom or a dad or a son or a daughter or a neighbor or a friend that needs to hear the message of Jesus Christ and the king says, my banquet is for you. The table is set for you. You're invited. You are welcome at the king's table. We are a gathering of hurt and broken and growing people in the world today. We're people who are considered worthy because simply because of our humanity, because of our creation in the image of God, that gets us the invitation. We don't have to have our lives put together. We don't have to, to understand everything that this book says. We're still in process. We're still learning. We're still trying to understand. And the king says, come. Not because we earned it. Not because we merited it. Not because we're smart enough, good enough, holy enough. Praise the Lord. That's good news. It's good news today. And then there's this one guest. (laughs) 
<laughs> the one who was dressed improperly. I thought about coming like in sweatpants and like a, a wife beater tank top, you know, to preach today. <laughs> I wanted to spare all your eyes. Yeah, you're welcome. Amen. One guy who came, up, came to the wedding banquet was dressed the wrong way. A number of different scholars interpret this guy a little different. Why was this guy singled out? <laughs> Did he have a chance to grab clothes and didn't? I mean, the story goes that they weren't expecting. These were the people who weren't invited. They wouldn't have been prepared that day to go to the wedding banquet. Did the king offer appropriate clothes as they came in and he rejected was there something about his speechlessness that when the king came to him and he kind of just stood there speechless, was that a rejection of the king's expectation? I'm drawn to date uh, by a piece, uh, or to a piece that I read by Richard Spaulding. He said this, gospel living only begins with the invitation. That that's the beginning of us living out this gospel. Gospel living only begins with the invitation it cannot remain a mere idea. It's requirement. Listen to this. It's requirement. Gospel living's requirement is a transformed life. That was the error of the temple leaders, the elders. Remember who this is pointed to. Remember who Jesus is talking to. He's talking to those leaders that had got caught up in that temple life and in that status, and, and they were used to it. They were coming and questioning his authority, saying, who do you think you are, Jesus? You don't get to tell us how this works. <laughs> Yesterday you were flipping over tables. We don't like that. We don't want that. That was the error of the temple leaders, the elders, the Sanhedrin, the Pharisees. There was no transformation of life. That we can become clothed with the characteristics that we read about, that we had read this morning. That which is excellent, that which is admirable, that which is true and holy and just and pure and lovely and praiseworthy. I'm grateful as, as the Nazarene church, we come from a tradition that speaks to the value of living a holy and transformed life, a life shaped by the call of Christ's gospel. Gospel living starts with an invitation. It's an invitation to all, to the good, to the evil, to everyone who would come. But it's fleshed out in our lives by the call to become more and more Christ-like. Amen? And that is our journey. And that is our call. Oh, that we would live transformed lives. I'm going to invite the praise team to come, come back up as they come and as we close in singing. Uh, may we rejoice that we are all invited. If, you, if, you've, if you've heard one thing this morning, may it be this. We are all invited to the banquet. But may we also hear today and realize and step into the truth that God calls us to live a transformed and holy life as we experience the gospel of Christ. May we live that way. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, today, it's so good to be in your house and to worship with your people. It's good to 
know and understand what it means to be the body of Christ together. As we take a look today at this passage, it calls us, reminds us first that we're all invited to the table of grace, but then calls us to a transformed life. Would you, would you make that come true in our lives today? Would you set us free to not only go through the motions, <laughs> not only to do church things, God, but would you set us free to truly live a transformed life and to become the people that you would have us become. We're so grateful for who you are and how you love us and how you walk with us and journey with us. Be with us this week, I pray. In Christ's name, amen.